This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Craig Coben. This is our post-match show of Holmes' 2-1 to victory against Southampton on Saturday. Craig was at Craven Cottage. He will share his view. We're hoping to have one of our other co-hosts join us shortly. That would be Giannis. He's just having some technical difficulties. So we're trying to get him back in. He continues to try to join us. We're going to try to have him join us again. Looks like Giannis might be with us again. Let's give it another shot. Hey, Giannis, can you hear us? Yes. Okay, we got Giannis back. We finally got everything to work. We're having some technical difficulties. I was just sharing. We just went live. Cobras in the house. (laughs) How are you doing, Giannis? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to both of you. Yes, good. It's 2023, seventh in the league. Can you believe it? Best team in West London. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a little Mia Culpa, a little Goldman as I... I knew after the show, I did my uh, five takeaways from the match, and I mentioned mm-hmm. that Fulham were eighth. So there's a Goldman just basically to end last year. They're actually seventh, Giannis, which is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's been a, it's been a fantastic year from start to finish. And, uh, you know, yesterday was, uh, you know, not an easy thing against, you know, a manager new to the, you know, Southampton. And of course, you've got the George Cohen commemoration in, in Palais. Yes. So, bit of a flat atmosphere, but but we got three points, which is brilliant. And uh, let's bring on the Foxes on uh, Tuesday, I believe. That's right. I'm looking forward to that, my friend. Over to you, Craig. Welcome to the show. And I want to get your thoughts on uh, what you watched. I say you and I were talking about it. This was not a very, what you would call a great performance before, but they got all three points. And I'm glad that Giannis brought up some of the other situations going on. Obviously, you have the passing of George Cohen and Pele. And uh, the atmosphere, as he was saying, seemed to be a little bit flat. So just give me your thoughts on what you watched yesterday. 
Look, it was a scrappy game. I don't think uh, either side showed a tremendous amount of quality. Um, I don't think Fulham played particularly well, but um, the sign of a successful team is when you win when you're not playing well. The atmosphere in the crowd was fine. There was um, people were in full song to support and commemorate uh, George Cohen. Uh, there was the tribute to Pele as well. Um, and overall, there were some, you know, songs and chants uh, as usual in the upper end of the Hammersmith, uh, of the Hammersmith end, uh, the upper part of the Hammersmith end. But what I would say is it wasn't a great performance. If we had drawn, it would be difficult to say that it would have been an unjust result. But uh, we took our chances when we had them off the corners, and that was the difference in an otherwise very tight game. I'm glad that you said that, Craig, because I actually said on our preview show that set pieces would be key, and they were key in all three goals. And my concern here, and let's just call it just a little concern because Fulham winning matches, and we'll talk about – I want to get your thoughts about just winning and and the importance of winning. But should we be concerned that they're scoring the majority of their goals, it seems like, on set pieces – I don't think we should be concerned that we're scoring a lot of goals on set pieces. They count just as much as goals from open play. What I think is a little bit more concerning is that there appears to be a bit of a dip in form from some of the players and some vulnerabilities that were clearly exposed over the course of this match. Okay. Uh, um, And I think that is probably greater concern. I think the two results, the last two results have flattered us. Crystal Palace having men sent off. In Southampton, you know, we were quite lucky and fortunate in many respects against Southampton. Okay, excellent. Giannis, I want to go to you. I want to get your opening thoughts and feel free to share your thoughts on what we're talking about, what Craig brought to the table, because the performance wasn't the greatest, like Craig said, and uh, I've also mentioned on uh, my five takeaways. But you get all three points. That's the bottom line. But should we be a little concerned by the last couple of performances? Because if, if we're being honest, the performances, like he had mentioned against Crystal Palace, I thought they played fairly well, but there are circumstances with that. In this one, it's against a, a club at the bottom of the league with a new manager. And full credit to Southampton, I thought they played well to make Fulham look this way. But how concerned are you about the performance? Well, the Palace game was, I mean, Palace, you'll ask any Palace fan and that performance was gruesome. <clears throat> they really, they looked like they'd just come off the beach and out of the bar. Um, and, and they showed that yesterday they played well against Bournemouth. Um, so I watched the Southampton game against Brighton and they were gruesome, just as gruesome. In a South Coast derby against a team they don't like and really they got kicked off the park. Um, I... I I, I'm the first game. I'm not so much worried. The second, I'm going to give Nathan Jones some credit. Okay. He, cha- he changed the formation. He, he went back to the three at the back, um, and I thought they had a good game. I thought, you know, plugging midfield, going three four two one, seemed to work. Um, they, I mean, they were competitive first half. If Shea Adams scores that breakaway, brilliant save by um, Fantastic. Um, Leno, then it might be a different story. Um, I, I think they. If he's going to make them tighter, they're onto a good thing. I, I, I've got. I think they probably deserve the draw. They're clearly two strikers short. 
we I think Craig's absolutely right. We've had a few tired legs out there yesterday. And I'm I'm hoping if you look at the fixture, which is looking, you know, pretty congested, you throw the FA Cup one out for a sec. We've got Newcastle on the horizon and we've got Chelsea twice. And we've got Leicester. I think maybe a few players needed a little bit of a break because not because nobody should be match fit per se because it's you know coming off a second preseason. And I think this is where Marco needs to maybe revolt, you know, um, rotate a few players. Um, and the other thing, give Southampton credit, the low block seemed to cause us some trouble from the first minute. And um, but we didn't make it easy for ourselves. I mean, as soon as they could over readers, you know, <laughs> that foul, Ward Prowse just is the best in the business. He's so much fun to watch. And that was a fantastic goal. So um, Leicester's going to tell me a lot. I think we need to make a few changes and see how we do against the Leicester side that are struggling a little bit right now. Okay, excellent. Craig, back to you because I, I want to focus a little bit on Southampton. I want to give them some credit to the way that they set up. They, I thought they uh, frustrated Fulham. It takes two to tango because I don't think Fulham did enough, like you had already mentioned, but I want to give them some credit here, Craig. What did you see from a Southampton perspective in this match? Look, as Yannis says, they set up in a 3-4-2-1 at the outset, and when they when they had the ball, without the ball, it looked more like a 5-4-1, very congested in the midfield, um, and were really forcing us out onto the wings where they felt comfortable they could they could control us. Um, they didn't let our midfielders in the middle have any time on the ball, so every time Reed or Paulinha had the ball, they were on them. They were a bit aggressive in the tackle, but the referee was letting a lot go. And so as a result, it put us off our game. And then we looked quite – we looked like we were plotting. I mean, we'd go down the right side, we'd overload the right side, then we'd switch sides to the left, but we weren't doing it quickly enough. And so, um, you know, it wasn't fast-paced, and it really didn't trouble them all that much. Um Yanis is right. We had a let off on on the first, uh, you know, in in the first half. Bear in mind, there were two mistakes that were made by Fulham in that case. The first was a poor pass by Diop. Yep. And the fact that he was out of position for the counterattack. And the second was that Tim Ream played uh, played the Southampton player on side. He didn't push up enough. Um, and what I think Southampton's strategy was was to let. Diop have the ball because they realize that he probably is the weakest player on the ball. Sometimes they would press him. Sometimes they would just leave him alone, but clearly the strategy was in favor of exploiting Diop's weakness on the ball. Very interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because again, Craig was there so he could really witness this. Giannis, as we talk about this, we talk about how Southampton played and you guys did, are doing a great job of breaking it down. Diop is a player that I think uh, is part of Fulham's now and future, but uh, it's very interesting that Craig brought up that potentially, it, according to what he witnessed, Southampton's game plan was probably to focus on the weaknesses of Diop. Your thoughts? Yeah, I actually agree. And what does it say about Timmy? 35, going on 36, and yet they feel they need to go up after Diop. It's funny, I took a good look at Diop yesterday and one of the things that slights me slightly concerns me and I know this was a knock at West Ham is that for a man his size he's not that good in the air he really isn't 
Whereas Tosin is, and I, I know he's part of the now and the future, but I'm wondering if the, Mark and the coaching staff might look at this and say, well, um, do we maybe even need to upgrade from that? Um, I, I mean, I know that someone like Michael Keane is going to be out there in the transfer window. Um, the transfer window opened today. Um, I thought Southampton had a game plan, and considering the battering they took against Brighton, um, it was evidence of a number of teams yesterday that rebounded really well from foot, poor first games. Palace, um, uh, of, co of course, did. Um, and there was uh, Leeds United did. Um, um, Everton did with the second games of the of the holiday break. You had some odd results. I thought it was a good game plan. And and, and Jones, I, I'm not a Jones fan. I didn't I didn't think that Hassan Hoodle should have been let go. I thought they probably could have got a more high caliber manager to come in. Um, but he's got a young side and he's got some good talent. And um, if they can listen to him and they can pick up a couple of players, they may just be okay. Um, he showed his nuance to set up a game plan to frustrate. And for the most part, it worked. It was just two real silly, you know, not, not taking up Pereira from the corner, um, you know, the flick from Tete, and you got not just Paulinho, but Ream, you know, unmarked at the near post. These are basic errors where teams cannot afford to switch on and off, especially where Southampton are the bomb. Okay, excellent, Giannis. Really great analysis from the two of you. Because what's great about doing this show is that we go deeper than just looking at the victory and being happy that they won. We want to see exactly what comes out of this. So that's going to lead me to go back to something that I've already really talked about with Craig. I'll go to you in a second, but I want to go right back to Giannis. Giannis, do you think it's a positive sign to win when not playing your best, or is there a reason to be concerned? It actually can be both. My reason being is did Southampton show maybe, and people hate when pundits say this, a blueprint to play against Fulham. Now, we're playing against opponents coming up that will probably have a completely different strategy. But when Fulham are going to have most of the ball, is this a concern for you? Because I think it's a positive sign to win, but I think when the roles are reversed and they're going to be the ones with the ball, they're going to have to find other ways to get goals. They're going to have to find other ways to deal with uh, a situation that Southampton showed us against Fulham. That's a great, that's a great question. There are two things here. Firstly, the good thing about yesterday's game is that Mark has now seen it. He recognizes the low block. Um, the players can know it. Secondly, it, 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 it's a potentially good recipe against us at the cottage, which it's a smaller ground. The fans are on top of you. There's not as much space, but when you go away from them, let's say St. Mary's reverse fixture, slightly bigger pitch may not work as much because you've got a lot more space to cover. Um, so, it, you know, coming away from home to the cottage is never going to be easy. And if you try it, it'll give us difficulties, but on a bigger pitch, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and then the good thing, as I said, Marco and the coaches will learn from that and say, well, if, if teams try to do this, this is the way we need to counteract. And, that's, and this is part of growing together as a team different teams will throw, throw different systems and different things at you. I was really surprised that he decided to go. Jones went back to his old alma mater, three, three at the back at Luton. But it did seem to work. And the defenders he's got at the back, back especially, I'm going to give hats up to Lianco. I thought he had a good game with Mitro. Um, you know, they were very disciplined. 
Um, and the midfield, I thought, worked very, very hard. And um, they made it very choppy. And Adozi, who looks like a super little player, did a really good job of tracking back and helping out at times to make it a midfield five. So there's promise there, and it's a, ta- a good tactic. And it showed that Jones had thought this through. Um, and he'd done it despite what happened against Brighton. So I think we learned from it. And um, But I think it becomes more of an advantage for teams to play us like uh, with that approach at the cottage as opposed to if we have to travel with it, the, the fields tend to be a little bit bigger. Okay. Great stuff there. Over to you, Craig. I want to get your thoughts on this because you get to watch this at Craven Cottage. And certain opponents are... are could use this as a blueprint when they come to the cottage, as Yana said, maybe when we are away, it's a different story, but uh, what are your thoughts about this? You've already talked a little bit about winning is obviously the most important thing, but I'm a little concerned about how they played against Southampton that some other clubs can come to the cottage and do this. What are your thoughts? Well, if you win when you don't play your best and it's a sign that you have a winning mentality a real psychological resilience, then it's a positive. Um, if you win when you're not playing your best because you're a bit lucky, you're a bit fortunate, then it's a reason to be concerned. Watching that game yesterday, on balance, I would take the latter interpretation, although you could take the former. Okay. Um, we just seem to be a little bit more fortunate. We were a better team technically than Southampton. That was very apparent. Uh, but they had put us off our game, and we didn't really seem to have any answers other than scoring off of these uh, dead ball situations, off the corner quick kick situations. Um, you know, they frustrated us throughout the match, and I haven't looked at the statistics, but I don't know how many shots we had on goal, but if it was more than one of <laughs> – <laughs> other than the other than the, uh, the 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 second goal, I'd be surprised. I can't even remember a shot on goal. Um, that's okay. how that's how how difficult it was. And it's not as if we had a lot of chances that we can discuss. We had almost none. That's a great point because uh, when I was preparing for the show, there aren't many opportunities, Craig, and that is different than the last match, but. There are circumstances why Fulham had so many shots against Crystal Palace. Some of them are down to Fulham. Some of them were down to the fact that they were down two men. But there weren't that many shots. That's actually really good. So when we break down the match, we can certainly go back to that. But, guys, before we really get into talking about the match in a little bit more detail, I didn't mention this on my five takeaways. I thought about mentioning it, but I didn't because I thought that I would We could talk about it now. So this is something that someone brought up. I've seen it on social media. So let's talk about it now before we really get down, breaking down the match. Let's talk about the missed penalty by Mitro, Craig. So Mitro is a pure goal scorer, but I've been concerned watching him taking penalties probably his whole time at fall. So I saw on social media suggesting maybe it's time to try someone else. I saw maybe Pereira. What are your thoughts about this? And if they did do this, what would be the fallout from having Mitro not being the one to take the penalties? I think there are two considerations here. The first is whether Pereira or whoever would be outright a better penalty taker than Mitro. And I don't know 
whether that's true or not. Um, Pereira is a very good dead ball striker. We've seen that, but that's not necessarily the same same skill set as a penalty taker. I think secondly, there's the psychological factor around Mitro. He thrives on confidence. He thrives on opportunities. Um, and, you know, he has been our talisman uh, for this season and, and actually for last season as well. And you don't want to damage that confidence by effectively giving him a vote of no confidence around the penalties. Yep. Um, look, the penalty he took yesterday wasn't a bad penalty. It was a little bit uh, too close to, to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper guessed correctly. Um, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a scuff penalty or, or, or a missed penalty. It wasn't a weak one either. Okay, very good. Over to you, Giannis. I've given this some thought because there's a part of me that says, hey, give Pereira a shot at this. Give someone else a, a chance. And it's not really – for Mitro, for me, it, it's just about who's the best to do this particular skill. Now, Mitro is a pure goal scorer. But to Craig's point, what would this do to him mentally if you were to do this? So I'm going to lean towards, no, you don't do this. You stick with him because I think it's important to give him that responsibility because he might take this as not having confidence in him. It's it's a difficult one. It's not just clear cut. Say, well, listen, let's let someone else take it. I think that there would be some ramifications if you took it away from him. Your thoughts? Well, he could have a strop and say, I want to go and play for the Club Bruges coach, but I don't think that would. Um, I thought it was a, I think it was a good save by Bazuno, to be honest. I mean, he's an international goalkeeper, and uh, it was, remember, it's a guy taking a penalty who's run his socks off for 97 minutes in the, in the driving rain. You know, it, the conditions were not great. Actually, they weren't great anyway, to be honest. And he's just missed it. And it's, no, I. I, I would be Pereira scored the goal from the from the spot against City. Um, it depends on the relationship between Marco Silva and, and and Mitro. I think it would be good enough where you'd say, you know what, let someone else take the next one. I, I just I just do. Um, whereas you know with the, with Scott Parker, there was obviously some 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 bitterness between the two. Silva's got everybody drinking the Kool Aid right now. He's he's made players better he's made a 35 year old who a year ago was playing all right in the championship looked like a world beater and him talking about playing in the next world cup this is the impact he's had and you know i've not heard i've heard very few rumblings from the camp about you know unhappy players and if there were it would be because of lack of playing time so i i assume that the relationship is good enough to where you could say you know uh you know alex um let's give it to someone else da 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 I thought he, I thought he played well yesterday, Mitri, but looked a little tired towards the end, and he's not—he's still battling that foot problem as well. And um, you know, part of this is going to have to be with the games coming up. Does he sit him down? You know, so I think you need a bit of a break, and he wants to play all the time. But these are the conversations that good managers have, and and I think Mitro's a professional, and he'll deal with it if if he's sat or if he's told, "Don't take the next penalty." I've got, you know. Let's give you a little break from that. Very interesting from the two of you on this. I'm just going to share some comments. We've got a couple. This is from Dean. Definitely I love him, but I think it's time to let someone else shine. This is from Giggs Owen here. Penn was on target. And as you said, 
Giannis, it was uh, a good save. So sometimes we need to give credit for the save itself. Let's see. This is from Wayne. Mitro had one of those days, but the next pen he'll take, he will score. I, Wayne, I, I hope you're right. He's a confidence player, and uh, I think he's still full of confidence. But Giannis, to your point, this is an interesting situation with Mitro. Should you consider when to sit him? I, I Obviously, in the FA Cup, I don't think you play him. I, I think you sit him. But do you play him against Leicester City? I was thinking about this last night, about the changes. He's one I'm on the fence of because he's going to give Leicester some problems, uh, no doubt about it. But if you sit him and you give him nine days off until the Chelsea game, that's a good thing. Venetius played well in the West Ham game. Yes. Um, is it worth giving him another run out? Um, because it's going to be Leicester a little bit etsy right now. You're not really sure what you're going to get. Um, I think in the end he'll play him and just shut him down for a week. Um, but if he doesn't the, the, and he puts Venetius in, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, we, I don't think we know the extent of that foot injury. Okay. How bad it really is, and um, you know, obviously he's our, he's our most important player. So um, I would rest him, but I don't think he will. Um, I think he'll start against Leicester, but I think there will be changes. Okay, Craig. Before we move on and break down the match, I want to get your thoughts on talking about Mitro for the upcoming match against uh, Leicester City. What? Where do you fall on this? Do you think it would benefit the club to rest him? Or, as Giannis also said, he might be a, a good fit to really hurt Leicester City in the situation they're in. Look, I think it's a function of of, of his foot and uh, and how he's feeling around his foot. You know, there is actually an argument for resting against Chelsea and not against Leicester City because that Leicester City is probably a game we have a better chance of, of taking points from. Um, so you always have to think about that as well, the practicalities of it. Um, you know, it's pretty hard. Our system is really set up around around having a big number nine, um, you know, getting the ball out in the wings, crossing it in and getting that number nine on the end of it. And so losing him is, or, or, or putting him on the bench uh, to recover is a pretty serious matter for us and for our style of play and for our ability to, to score goals. Um, he didn't, I thought he played okay yesterday. He set up a couple of opportunities or half opportunities, but he didn't look entirely fit to me. Okay. Very good. All right. Coming up next, we're going to break down the match and then we'll end with man of the match. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. 
Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, guys, for the second half of the show, we'll break down the match. And, well, like I mentioned earlier, we will then talk about who you think was man of the match. I'll just say right now it's Paulinho for me, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Craig, I'll start with you. Let's get your first half analysis and uh, just give me your overall thoughts on what you watched at Craven Cottage. Let's first focus on Leno's save on Che Adams and what you witnessed there. Look, as I as I said before, Dion made a poor pass and was out of position for the counterattack. And um, when they counterattacked, Tim Ream hadn't quite stepped up enough, and so he played the, the player onside. Um, but what I think it really reflected was the way in which Southampton smothered us in the first half, gave us no space, and tried to exploit us on the counterattack. Um, it was a great save by Leno. Uh, he really came out quickly. He was sort of backpedaled, and then as the Southampton player got closer, he came out really quickly to shut down the space just shows you what a world-class goalkeeper he really is and how valuable it is having someone like that for us. I'm glad that you said that. Giannis, over to you. I want to get your take on this because Craig just, I thought, nailed it when he talked about Leno because that should have been a goal, honestly. And if it wasn't for Leno, it would have been a goal. Him reacting the way he did, I think, was the difference here. Your thoughts? Game changer uh, for me. If we go a goal down there, I think we're in real trouble. Uh, Adams is a good player. He ju- he just is starved of um, he's starved of uh, supply right now. I'm not. Th- th- there's a lot of skill in that team, but there really isn't. You're really not sure where the goals are going to come from, and the timing was such that you know Leno had to come out big. He came out quickly and came out big. It's a good save, very good save, very timely save. And um, a team like Southampton need to score first. They they need crumbs of comfort from somewhere to show that they're going in the right direction. It's difficult for the players, I think, um, because, you know, this might sound a little arrogant, but you've got Premier League, uh, a Premier League club with Premier League players, but you've got a championship manager comes in. And players do look at that and they go, well, what's he going to know? What's he going to know when we play City and Liverpool and Arsenal? So it, Jones has an even tougher job in his hands. And he, he's gone in the he's gone in the right way about it. The Brighton game would have been a shock, um, but certainly uh, yesterday was a big improvement. And had Adams put that away, I think we'd have been in a little bit of trouble. Having said that, um, as Craig said earlier, the sign of a good tight team is one that's not playing well, that scrounges out results out of nothing, and that's what we did do yesterday. Two years ago, we'd have, we'd have lost we'd have we'd have lost that. Um, but this is a resilient team right now, and uh, players are now used to winning. And I think we're right now the only team that's taken maximum points uh, post-World Cup in, in, in the division, which is great. Um, so th- this, is, this is certainly a streak to, to give them. But would Rodak have stopped that? Maybe. Maybe. But Leno was there and he did the job. Okay. Giannis, I just want to give you props for saying – about winning because it's infectious along with losing if you start winning you believe if you start losing you start to lose even more confidence and it affects your game 
So it is about being on a streak and Fulmer on that confidence streak right now, which I think is important. So Craig, I want to go to you and we've already talked about finding a way to win. And this is uh, the opportunity, basically like we're talking about finding ways to win on set pieces and they continue to find different types of set pieces that they do different corners. I've seen this one several times. It pays off here. Your thoughts on phone's first goal with uh, Pereira not being credited for the goal, but he obviously had much to do with this. I, I know it's an own goal from James Ward press, but this to me is about the delivery and also the strike by Pereira. Yeah. I mean, well, the delivery was perfect from William Pereira was not marked. Sometimes you don't mark the player who's out of the box, but boy, did he hit it well. I mean, it's, it, it looks easy on TV, but you know, how many times do we see players not strike those um, as cleanly as Pereira did? I mean, it's, it was a real technical feat. And while it was a known goal because of the deflection, I think he deserves uh, at least morally credit for, for, for the goal. There's nothing else to it. I mean, it was just a really sweetly struck um, uh, uh, corner. You could argue Southampton maybe should have had a player closer to him or they should have marked him, uh, but he was way out and you would not have expected him to score from there. Okay, very good. So Fulmer up at the half, guys, 1-0, and we could talk about did they deserve to be up? They're up. They're up. You know, I, again, the, the point against the team that set up very well to stop them, but they took advantage of their opportunity. They're up at the half. Giannis, let's go to the second half. And uh, what's interesting here, and I've seen some commentary coming from Southampton, that uh, they basically uh, turned it up a notch and that they were going to open up a little bit. And it seems like that's what they did. And they had a little bit more of the ball and they were creating some chances for themselves. But this goal from Southampton, I want to get your thoughts on because Bobby Decadover-Reed is one of my favorite players for Fulham. When you go into the match, you know that that they are extremely dangerous with James Ward-Press on set pieces. You need to be very careful when you're around him. So love Bobby, but I think he needs to be doing better here. And James Ward-Press scores a great goal. And let's talk about the goal. How much do you put this also on setting up the wall and Leno? Well, in, in the pre-presser, um, Marco talked about this. and. Um... It, to me, the, the Decadovery challenge was a little clumsy and a little, a lot of tired. Um, it was just, it was needless. And, and I tell you, I got to tell you, when as soon as he gave it, I thought we're done. And I, and you could see the cameras turn to you know Bo Morty and, and Silva, and they're looking at each other, going, "Oh shit, here we go," because he's he's he's. I mean, he. It's not even the speed; it's the spin of the ball. It's just he just. A technician extraordinary. Now he's, he's one off the record from Beckham, from Beckham, Beckham's Premier League free kick record. If you look at, I thought the wall was fine, but Leno, looking at the spin and the trajectory, he was uh, one step too far to his right or our left as we saw it. And I think if it's one to his left, he stops that, even with the spin. It's one I think he'd like to have back. But having said that, that would be taking credit away from a, just a fantastic free kick. He, I mean, Ward Prowse is Ward Prowse is one of those players players that teams are looking at deliciously, and looking at the bottom of the table, going, "Okay, 
if they go down, he's going to be one of the hottest talents in the market. Who picks him up? You know, how much is he going to cost? Um, and it's for moments like that because he can turn the game on a sixpence. Um, so a little bit of Dacud Overread, although he's been fantastic, a little bit of Diop, fantastic, but I'm not going to take anything away from the strike by Ward Prowse. It was, it was a worldie. Okay. Craig, your thoughts about the goal from uh, Southampton? <laughs> I think the set, I think the run up to the goal was quite interesting because Paulini had made a very good tackle, but unfortunately the deflection uh, or the bounce off the tackle was a bit unlucky so that Southampton could continue their move and and uh, it culminated with the foul by Decredova Reed. Um, the free kick was amazing. I mean, I, I could see it at the other end of the pit of the of the, of the pitch, and it was it was uh, one of the best free kicks I've ever seen at Craven Cottage. Um, there's mm. no question about it. Yeah, could could Leno have gotten to it? Could the wall have been bigger? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that is a free kick of pure quality. Okay, excellent, Craig. All right, right back to you now. Here's a something that I've seen a great deal on social media talking about the double substitution of Tom Kearney and Dan James coming on, and then you take off Bobby Decadover Reed and Harrison Reed. So I want both of you to have a crack at this. Craig, I'll go to you first. What did you make of this and the effect that it had for Fulham during the match? Okay, I thought bringing Tom Kearney gave us a lot more stability and possession in the midfield. Um, you know, he, uh, he, I actually thought he played pretty well and Southampton had to pay attention to him. And we actually started to exert more control over the game. I thought I was surprised about Dan James's introduction. I thought, again, he was pretty poor as he was in the world cup. Um, I know he set up that penalty at the end, but that's a little bit of a fluke. Um, you know, he seemed to lose the ball almost every time he got it. And uh, it was actually quite frustrating. I don't know why Harry Wilson wasn't playing. Um, maybe he was injured, but uh, I would have played Harry Wilson over Dan James at that juncture. Okay. Giannis, over to you. Obviously, Fulham supporters are talking a great deal about Dan James because one of our loans are with him. And it's funny because I thought he played very well against Manchester United. I'm thinking, okay, this is the part where he starts to kick on. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't. Ha now, again, it's only been a few matches. Like I said, I saw him in the World Cup. I thought he was poor in the World Cup. And I thought that he was poor here. What do you make of all of this? And what do you make of the situation with Dan James? I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the value of having James here. And I, I think he's very, very quick. I, don't, I mean, he... His speed really did help to create the confusion between Sinister and um, Lianco for the, that ridiculous penalty. But I just, I agree with Craig on this one. I thought Wilson would come on. Um, remember, Manor Solomon's going to be fit soon. And when we're looking at low knees, um, I mean, the, the scuttlebutt is that, that, that we're going, we're in for Cedric Suarez at Arsenal, which is a separate matter altogether. But you can't afford to waste loans. You really, you really can't. Um, Shane Duffy's hardly played a minute, but right. despite that, I think he's there for a specific reason in terms of de development and what have you. So we're not going to cut that short. But I don't. I, the James thing, I don't. I don't think it, it, it helps us uh, in terms of the subs. 
uh, as I said, I wanted Wilson on, and the day called over read may have been a slight knee-jerk reaction to the goal, but having said that, I thought Bobby was looking a little tired. Tom has a habit, we know that he settles it down, he doesn't lose possession, he's a great distributor of the ball, and we needed a little bit more craft in the centre of the park, and that's what he gave us. And, and actually, looking ahead to Leicester, he's probably the first change I'd make, um, that I'd actually start him ahead of Bobby um, instead of Harrison, because Harrison looked a little tired yesterday, um, and Tom will give them a, a different look. Um, and I think it's good to be able to manage your players now. You can't, we can't go back to the Roy Hodgson loved him to death like we do, where it's the same 11, game in, game out. It's a yet a decade later, and these games are really, really tough, and you've got to use your squad. And uh, I'm hoping that Tom gets a, a start um, against Leicester. Okay, very good. All right. Back over to you, Craig. Let's talk about the winning goal here. And uh, from a corner once again, and um, I think Fulham, we can argue, is Mitro the most important player for Fulham, or is it Paulinha? For me, it's Paulinha because I think he is that important piece of the puzzle that everything flows off of. You need a goal scorer, but for me, it is Jao Paulinha. He gets the goal here. It's not just him. It's obviously... Kenny Tete and the delivery. What are your thoughts about Fulham's goal to win the match? Well, before the goal at the other end, you may recall that Pellini made an incredible tackle on Perso. And by the way, that was the second time, because early in the, in the first half, we didn't mention it, Pellini had also made probably a goal-saving tackle there. So <clears throat> the man is a machine. And, um, you know, really extraordinary in the way he can cover um, so much ground, uh, and then he and he comes down the other end, and he obviously he scores. Now this the corner was set up by Tom Kearney. It wasn't a penalty by in a million years when he went to ground, but Kearney had gotten behind the defense and set up the corner. As for the corner itself, it was very well delivered. You know, uh, uh, headed on by Tete. Not much uh, I can say about it. Um, um, the goalkeeper didn't really have uh, any chance to, to save it. But Paulini has just been massive for us. Um, and uh, he does a lot of – he covers just so much ground. And it was – it was. I think, you know, I, I, there's a song that we all sing for Paulini in the stands. It's quite a nice one, and uh, he deserves it. Okay. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on the goal. Also, this point when we talk about Paulini, because – for me, Paulina is Fulham's most valuable player so far this season. I know everyone would – well, I shouldn't say everyone. Others will point to Mitro, but for me, it's everything that he does. Craig just talked so much about it. And what's interesting about this and why I'm bringing this up now, talking about Paulina, is um, I saw this uh, poll going around on social media for the best defensive midfielder in the league. Oh, God. And Paul was not even part of it, Giannis. Don't even get me starting on this. Okay, I, I'm sorry to oh. bring that up, but when I saw that, I was actually, I was insulted that he was not part of this, but he scores the goal, but as we're talking about, he has just done so much for Fulham Football Club. Your thoughts about the goal? Well, I mean, it's top six, um, top six bollocks, isn't it? The next person that tells me Casemiro is is going to get decked. And they've, not, they've obviously not been watching... Uh, 
who'd not been watching Fulham games. He's been an absolute monster, absolute monster for us. He's, it's 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 just just unreal. And the goal, um, the goal I found really really strange. Um, it's a nice delivery in. It's a brilliant flick by Tete. It it really is. It, it it's gone perfect near to far. But what was Bazunu doing? Firstly, what was Bazunu doing in his position? And secondly, how is it possible that you've got Palhinha and Timmy unmarked at the near post? Utter, utter unreal. And Nathan Jones would have been pulling his hair out, going, well, we've defended pretty well. And then you give a, give away a daft, and I mean a daft goal like that. And those are the goals that sink you. You know, it, it's and, and, and we're very good at set pieces. We're, it's now going to be the one thing that's going to follow us. It's going whatever you do, corner kicks, you better watch them. Free kicks, watch them. Fulham are a tasty team; they can create at any sort of time. And um, just, I mean, the setup was beautiful. Palhine is just a, a monster. But I think that Jones will look at this and go, "Well, come on, this is an avoidable goal. Why aren't you man to man marking this?" You know, it was it's a rotten way to lose because I think Southampton did well enough to get a point um it's things for them to work on but we got the win and we did it scrappily and and, and a nice a, a nice goal for there for Palin. you could see the emotion in his face as he, he raced the crowd he was a happy bunny as were we all okay excellent there all right before we go to man of the match quickly on this craig your thoughts on we've already talked a little bit about mitro taking the penalty what led up to it your thoughts about what you watched there yeah, it's a bit of a balls up by the Southampton uh, defense um, and miscommunication. And Bazunu, instead of punching the ball, punched uh, <laughs> punched Dan James. I mean, it was a little bit of a fluky kind of, you know, um, extra time penalty when Southampton were trying to push forward and focus on trying to score. It was a bit of a shame that Mitro just couldn't put the game away. Um but uh, in the end, it turned out not to matter. Okay. We'll just share this comment. This is from Colm Bugler. Mitro giving Lianca a little nudge just so Tete had a free run at the header for Polina to score made me smile. I, I understand that, Colm. Thank you so much for commenting there. And also just want to just talk about, because we, we are focused a little bit on Mitro, and I believe this is true, Giannis. If Mitro yeah. gets yellow versus Leicester, he'll be out for the Chelsea match. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Um, I don't think it should have any bearing on the two. I mean, because if you start getting worried about that, well, if he doesn't play here and he gets a yellow here, and I mean, you, you can't you can't do it through fear. I know he's going to want to play against Chelsea. Everybody, I want to play against Chelsea. <laughs> Craig's out there. He's got his shirt. He's ready to play against Chelsea and give it to them. I'm ready. I'm, I'm waiting for the calls. You know, bring it's the transfer window. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, Silver can't really base it on that. Um, but um, well, you know, it's like look, Palhinha took five yellows in the first seven games, yep. and he got suspended, right? And um, the game I think was Newcastle. He was suspended. We all know how that went. That Operation Chalaba. But um, no, I think I think uh, let's uh, Silver should. Just give him a little, you know, just decide what he wants to do. That goal, by the way, the goal, the, the, sorry, the penalty was actually clever. I want to give Tom Kearney some love here because Kearney, it was Kearney's up and under. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. He just kicked it up, but it caused absolute havoc. And James, being the little bee that he is, chases everything. 
chased it, and out of nothing, he created something, which was right. great. Shame we wasted it, but uh, it was Kenny's, um, <laughs> I think the rugby rugby pundits would say the Johnny Owen, and it went way up in the air, and right. well, it was a bit, bit comical and laughable. Okay, very good. All right, guys, to end the show, we're going to go to man of the match. I've already said my man of the match is Zhao Polina, and I don't think it's close. It's just my thoughts on it. Giannis, man of the match for you. It's not a Palina. I thought he was brilliant, but I'm going to give it to Kenny Tete. Oh, wow. Okay. And the reason is because I think um, the the last two weeks we've been hearing a lot in the scuttlebutt about Suarez, and the Suarez is a right back. So obviously the babu 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 hasn't worked. So now it, it, it's it's clear and obvious that Marco is, is not trusting. So therefore, he's either needs to bring a right back in long term, although Suarez is 31. Or give um, Tete some competition, and I thought Tete was really solid yesterday. Really, really solid. Put some great tackles in. Fantastic flick for that second goal. Cannot underestimate it. Johnny on the spot. Palinia was brilliant. But I, I just everybody, I think is going to give it to Palinia, and Palinia was superb. But I thought Tete put in a really timely performance and a reminder to the boss that hey, I am here, I am fit, and I'm putting good performances in. So before you think of buying anyone, I'm here. I don't want to lose the right back spot. So I'm going to give it to Tete. Okay. How about you, Craig? I'm glad that Yanis brought up Kenny Tete because uh, when he plays well, when he's fit, when he's not injured, form our better side. So would you go with Yanis or would you go with myself or do you have another pick for man of the match? I'm going with you, Russ. To me, there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. Joao Pelinha. He made the big plays yesterday at both ends of the pitch. Okay, very good. All right. I'm just going to share uh, a couple of comments here. This is from Wayne, my friend Wayne, man of the match, Paulina. I'm there with you. But I understand where Giannis is going with Kenny Tete because uh, it's funny. Giannis, before we uh, end, and uh, I'm going to share another comment in just a second. Our fullbacks are very important to how Marco wants to play, and Kenny Tete is doing his job. And I know we haven't mentioned him in this show, but, and I've said this so many times, and I'll continue to say this, Anthony Robinson has proven me wrong, Giannis, time and time again. And uh, he's become very valuable to how they play. Now, I, we really haven't mentioned him in this match, but just share your thoughts on how he's been playing for Fulham. I'm curious your view. I haven't talked he's, to you about it in, in a bit. Well, the knock against him was always that he was an excellent athlete, but not a very good defender. But the evolution of his defending has, has been clear for all to see. Played very well in the World Cup. He's been sound as a pound. The, the setup is, is beautiful for him um, with the 4-2-3-1. He's been excellent. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You, I do have a good laugh that you look at our back four and you've got two Dutchmen and two Americans. You know, <laughs> you, you just go, again, you've got a German behind. But that back five, don't touch them. Um, you can always look to upgrade, and I mentioned yeah. Diop earlier. That's a dot, dot, dot. But on the whole, really can't complain, and, and I think that Robinson's been superb. Oh, my God. Wigan, Wigan fans, we got him for, on an absolute, was it two million from Wigan? I mean, it's absolute steal. And um, there are rumors that teams are coming, sniffing around. Um, for You can't have him if you're watching. Go away. Okay. We want him. Craig, just real quick on Robinson, because you obviously get to see the evolution of him at Craven Cottage. You got to see him 
throughout his career. What have you made of uh, his improvement? Uh, look, I think he's playing a lot better. Um, the quality of his crosses has improved, although I think I still think there's room for improvement. He's much more short on the ball. And as Yanis says, he's a much more reliable defender. I also think he links up quite well with Willian, who again impressed uh, yesterday. He created one up, basically our only opportunity in, in the first half other than, other than the goal, maybe our only opportunity from open play. Um and uh, I think those two are, are a handful on the left side, and they, they link up well, one, they, they overlap, they underlap. Um, and, you know, so we, we can sometimes get some joy from that side, yeah. from, from the two of them. Okay, very good. All right, to end the show, I think this is a fitting way to end the show, guys. We haven't mentioned this, but we are going to mention a former Fulham manager moving on to Club Rouge. Let's talk about it. So Steve Reynolds says a moment of silence for Dennis at FC Bruges. <laughs> well, over to you, Craig. Thoughts on Scott Parker? Moving look, on. Uh, I mean, I think they're in the Champions League. So for look, I I I don't have any beef with Scott Parker. I met him okay. once. I thought he was a an interesting guy. Um, and you know, I don't know how Bruges are set up, and maybe his style of play may very well. Uh, suit them. He's an intelligent, thoughtful manager. Although you know his tactics were were quite conservative. Um, you know, maybe too conservative for uh, when when he was our manager in the Premiership. As far as Denis Odois playing for him, I, I, I you know they they seem to play. You know, he he seems to start Odois fairly often. Yeah. Well, I don't know if uh, what it means for 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 Denis. Um, but I, I, I wish them the best of luck. I, I, I don't really follow the Belgian league all that much. Neither do I. Neither do I. I, I will say that I have been following a little bit because Tejan Buchanan, who used to play for the New England Revolution, also plays for Club Rouge. So I've followed right. just a little bit. Just a little bit. But Giannis, your thoughts about Scar Parker going to Club Rouge? That's how we're in the show. It's gruesome. Um I'm really surprised because last week the rumors were that he was going to go to Carrow Road, um, which w- actually might have been a good fit because I mean, that's something to form with up. Um, and now he's going to a Champions League team. Um, there was a guy from Bruges that was actually doing a reach out to Bournemouth Fulham fans the other night on Twitter asking for their opinion on Nico. Um, Nico. And I think I said something like a cure for insomnia, um, stultifying at best. Um, it's going to be, I, I hope for Scott, it's an opportunity for him to go away and, and think about yeah. his trade, you know, how he, you know, where is he now compared to where he was when he started at Fulham? Because young coaches tend to be, can tend to be more aggressive and he's just, you know, Bruges will be expecting that's a big base. The Jupiler league is, is, is pretty competitive and, um, he won't find it easy. And he's going to have Bruges is a double is a double language city as well. It's right. French and Flemish, so he's going to have that to deal with, which is a little bit of a challenge. So, um, and he's going straight into Champions League, and um, the Bruges fans are excited as they should be. And um, I wish him well. Um, how it's going to go, I don't know. Maybe it's it's good that he's gone gone overseas, um, just um, because. 
unfortunately his um reputation has followed him as being a little as being dour and i know how the bournemouth and we feel about him so but there we okay. go wish him luck okay well i was gonna say i do wish him well i wish him the best and hopefully it's a learning experience for him and he evolves as a manager and we see something else than we haven't seen from him in the past so hopefully he takes this as an opportunity to work on his trade and gets to become even a better manager i mean full credit to him you know he did do some good things for both fulham and bournemouth you, you have to give him credit there got him both promoted so give credit where credit is due but i do hope that he does look at his style of play and maybe modifies it that's my only thoughts guys Bruges is not going to be uh winning the champions league um they're probably not going to get out of the group stages anyway and so if you're going to be fodder for the bigger teams across europe yep. it may not be a bad idea to set up in the scott parker style maybe anyway that's um, a good point uh, so uh, let's see how he does he's an intelligent manager he's a thoughtful manager I think philosophically, you know, there were disagreement, differences of uh, differences of opinion between his style, uh, which is sort of low tempo, and what the fans were expecting. And I also think that he just had a different view around around Mitro. He wanted the club to sell Mitro so he could use the proceeds from the sale to buy players who were more su suited to what he was trying to accomplish. And the and the club blocked him and. Probably with the benefit of hindsight, it was a good thing that the club did block him from doing that. Good point. Very interesting way to end the show. Guys, fantastic show. Before we go, I just want to share this one last comment. This is from Rick25. Hi, guys. Just found the channel. Enjoying it. Thank you, Rick, for checking out the show today. And uh, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please tell your friends about Cottage Talk. Like I said, you just found it there are many foam supporters that still don't know about us. So please tell your friends, we want more people to be watching and listening to cottage talk guys. Fantastic show. Craig, thank you so much for joining thank you, me Russ. and Giannis today. Thanks. Giannis. Joy. And you Craig, always a pleasure, matey. Okay. Pleasure Take watching. care guys. Okay. Happy new year, everybody. Before we go, I want to wish everyone a very happy new year. Happy new That's year. going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For Craig Coben and Jan Shanaes, I'm Russ Coben. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, now part of the TalkSport Fan Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.